I really enjoyed the mini-series from last month about home, safe home, uh, and I really appreciate the opportunity to just dig into Scripture and uh, bring about some insights that might be helpful to us when it comes to these types of topics, how we can make our home safe. And in the midst of it, I got to thinking, when I say the word home, what do people think of? And when I say safely home, which is our series for this year, what are people thinking I'm talking about? And of course, when we introduced this uh, at the beginning of the year, home, uh, safely home or home safe home, the safely home series, we're talking about how we get our families safely home to where? Heaven. And so we, we introduce that particular idea and the way that we do that is by providing safe homes for them here uh, safe communities for them here and be a part of a safe church. So that's kind of the bigger picture concept. So when we're talking about safely home to heaven, I got to wondering, well, how many people really even want to go to heaven? Or how many people even think about what heaven is? Do they even know why there is a heaven? And who gets to really go to heaven? And when all this heaven stuff's going to take place? So I decided here in November what we would do is we'd examine all those questions, the what, the why, the who, and the when, so that we can get a better understanding of what Scripture teaches us about our heavenly home, and maybe it will motivate us or incentivize us to want to take care of our business here so that we will get safely home to heaven. I was surprised to find that the numbers of people who still believe in heaven or a literal heaven are fairly high, especially after the, the surveys that were done with young people, the, the younger millennials, older millennials who are kind of leaving churches. But still, people, when it talks about the afterlife, according to even a, a, a secular magazine called New Scientist, uh, they had this headline, why almost everyone believes in the afterlife. And then they dig into all the things. It's not necessarily religious, though. It's not about being a Christian. It's not about being a Muslim or anything like that uh, specifically, although those things have a bearing on what you think about heaven. But most everyone believes in heaven. And if you've ever attended a funeral, 100% of people that are at funerals believe there's a heaven. And they believe that person up there in front of them is going to be there. Because that's how we cope with the idea of death and loss. Ben Carson at the, the American Association of Christian Conferences, he spoke. And he talked about it from the standpoint of our conscience where they have done studies now where it's likely or it's, it's, a, it's at least a reasonable explanation of when people claim that they die and they go to heaven and they come back uh, he says that when your brain, the way that it works, if there is a separation and some of the studies they've done where people have died and then when they return, they start telling in detail the hallway and what the doctor was wearing and his name or what happened. And it's like they were having an out-of-body experience and looking down at themselves. And so there's real credible evidence that when you die, your conscience, your soul, your spirit, whatever you want to call it, it does go somewhere. And for those people that are caught between this home and the home that they're getting to, a lot of times they'll talk about there being a bright light 
or something like that, a feeling of safety. But what is heaven? And can we count on those who have had out-of-body experiences who said, well, I almost got to heaven and this is what it's like. No, we can count on their, their personal testimony of their experience in that moment, but they don't necessarily give us a big indication of what heaven is in those who have their, their stories have been brought into question. We can't contribute to the confusion that folks have today about heaven. And if you can get a, a, a strong grasp, an understanding of what heaven is yourself, then you can bring comfort to others because there's still 72% of Americans believe in a literal heaven. 72%. And 58%, 60% or so, they believe in a literal hell. So when you start talking about heaven and hell, it's not like you're talking about alien spaceships or something. People know when you say, well, uh, they might even use the word of heaven. Well, that they went to heaven or the dog went to heaven or whatever. And you can say, well, listen, let's have a conversation about heaven. What is your perspective of heaven? What do you think heaven is? And then you can help them understand, well, you know, there is someone who actually came from heaven and described heaven to us in a way that we can understand it so that we could believe in it. Do you mind if I tell you about that? You might be thinking, well, what are you talking about? Well, Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 13, and you can find all these verses uh, noted in the bulletin there so you can follow along. John 3.13 says, says, in the beginning, excuse me, John 3.13 says, No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Now we know he's talking about Jesus there. Jesus came from heaven. He came to this earth so that he could bear light to those things that we need to know. John 1, 1 through 4 says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. John clearly helps us understand that Jesus came from heaven to offer light in this world so that we would know and have everything we would need to know about heaven and about life itself. And you might think, well, why would Jesus have to do that? Well, how many of you have ever been to the Taj Mahal? Anybody here been to the Taj Mahal? How many believe the Taj Mahal exists? Raise your hand if you believe the Taj Mahal exists. Okay, there's still some doubters out there. Why do we believe the Taj Mahal exists? What evidence is there of it? We've seen pictures of witnesses, word of mouth. If I thought it would, it would help this morning, I'd have you look on your smartphones for pictures. But I didn't want you to get caught off on your game. If you know something, get, someone's trying to get a hold of me, i got to take this message right now. I don't want you to do that. But maybe later on you can get online and you can look and you can see that there are pictures of the Taj Mahal. There are people who have been there that tell us what the Taj Mahal is all about. But then there will others who say until you actually go there yourself you can't fully appreciate its beauty or its grandeur. Same thing for heaven. 
Jesus came from heaven. He tells us what heaven is. He describes for us in the way that we can best understand it. But our minds cannot conceive the grandeur of heaven. But it can benefit us in such a way so that heaven can influence the way we live here on this earth. And only Jesus is uniquely qualified to reveal the truth about heaven that can help us. And when we learn, or what we learn from him about the earth, is that it is not heaven. The earth is not heaven. There's a different place that is heaven. Because the earth is temporal, that means it's going to be destroyed at some point. It is tarnished. It is spoiled by sin. It is tiring. It is wearing out. Even scientists will tell you it's wearing out. And it's full of trouble. When you just look around the world, there's war and there are people, genocide, and all kinds of ugly things that are going on. This world has trouble. And Jesus has told us that so that we'll realize that this not, is not our home. He's also told us that heaven is not the earth. Because heaven is eternal. And heaven is exquisite. And it is everlasting. And it is excellent beyond our wildest dreams. So when Jesus says to us that there is a place called heaven, and it is excellent and it's got exquisite things there for us, it is everlasting and it is eternal, we should be drawn to that in our hearts. But as Christians, we have an opportunity not just to think about that, but to be benefited by that because we get to live, listen to this, right now here on this earth as believers, we get to live eternally. We get to start our eternal life now. We don't have to wait till we die. We start our eternal life now. We can start living exquisitely now because we're mindful of God being the creator and master of the universe. So as we obey His will, the exquisite nature of our life increases. The same is true about everlasting. This world's passing away, but everything we invest in that God tells us to, we know will last forever. It's not temporary. It will not fail us. And then today, we want to talk about how we can live excellently as believers. That God gives us this opportunity right now, before we die or before He returns, we can begin living our eternal life right now by living excellently in His will. And Christ Jesus has taught us how to do that. When John describes the book of Revelation, or that when John describes heaven... <coughs> excuse me, in the book of Revelation, he details these truths for us. Revelation chapter 5, verse 15 through 17 says, Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will shelter them with His presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to the springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. John 21 verses 1 through 18 or 1 through 8 says, 
Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and new earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things have passed away. And he who, has seat, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha, the, the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. And those who are victorious will inherit all this and I will be their God and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. John seems to confirm to us here that there is a literal heaven that is exquisite and excellent and eternal and everlasting. And there is a literal hell for those who are consigned there because they are cowardly, unbelieving, vile, murderers, sexually immoral, idolaters, liars. Each Sunday this month, we will explore the realities of heaven so that we are motivated to get safely home to heaven. And Jesus makes it clear that what we look forward to can be practiced by believers right now in this world, and that's why it benefits us so. So heaven serves the purpose of being the promise fully realized after we leave this earth. And it is a pattern that guides us through the troubles we endure on this earth. I'm going to say that again so you get it. Heaven serves the purpose of being a promise fully realized after we leave this earth and a pattern that guides us through the troubles we endure on this earth. That's what heaven is. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You see, it's our choice. It's the choice we make. It's a choice of ex accepting the description that Jesus has given us of what heaven is and welcoming it into our lives to guide us by looking at the things that are unseen, the eternal things. And even if we have trouble all around us and the world's wasting around us, we'll just look at these momentary troubles as, eh, they don't have anything compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in us, both now and forevermore. When we fix our eyes on the unseen, we can live excellently, exquisitely, everlastingly, and eternally. So as we learn more about heaven from Jesus... We learn more about living a heavenly life now until we are safely home to heaven. And that's the concept for this year, safely home. So what we want to do this month is answer what and why and who and when about heaven. 
And today we're going to stop by considering what and where is heaven. So you ready? What and where is heaven? What is heaven? Heaven is the home prepared for us by Jesus, in which all our needs are excellently addressed. You remember when Jesus says in John 14, I go and prepare a place for you, and I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Again, heaven is a home prepared for us by Jesus. He is preparing that for us so that we can have all of our needs excellently addressed in heaven. But it is also an opportunity for us to live excellently in this earth as we overcome. When we invite the kingdom of heaven into our lives now, all our needs are too excellently addressed by God. All of them. You want proof of that? Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. This is part of the, the Sermon on the Mount, remember? He says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father who is in where? Heaven. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Listen. Your will be done. Where? On earth, On earth as it is in where? Heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here, Jesus sums up in a tiny little package heaven in our world. Give us this day our daily bread. We're asking God to take care, meet our needs excellently. And Jesus has taught us as well that God always abundantly blesses us in more than we could ever ask or imagine, according to Paul. So when it comes to food and sustenance, we pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. God's kingdom, His will being done in our world right now involves Him meeting every need we have in an excellent way. That's why Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear, but put, your, uh, put, put first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We don't have to wait to get to heaven for God to provide everything excellently for us. He's saying, invite it into your life right now, and I will excellently bless you. We have food. We have family. He said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Who is it that we offend most in this world? Our brothers or sisters, moms. We offend each other in our families, but when we talk about the family of humanity, what we're inviting God into our life to do, His will be done. Forgive us as we forgive others. That's the greatest gift that God has given us is the ability to forgive others because that invites His forgiveness. We understand then what forgiveness means and what it does. And so we welcome His forgiveness into our own life. And if you turn that around, if you don't forgive others, you will not allow God to forgive you. You'll have to just live in your guilt and your shame. 
Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us, our debtors. And then, of course, our biggest foe, Satan. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Satan is our enemy. He's our foe. And Jesus says, if we invite the kingdom of God, that the very things that will take place in heaven, all our needs will be met. There'll be perfect unity and harmony. And the devil will be cast in the abyss. We won't have to worry about him anymore. Those things can happen right now as we pray for his will to be done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The purpose of heaven is to address our every need in an excellent way by God, which is established now in the pattern of the kingdom coming into our lives by meeting our every physical need, our emotional needs, and our spiritual needs. And even though we live on earth that is troubled by sin and failure, God providently uh, provides for our every need in the most excellent way. Let me call your attention to John or Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 9. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you have learned and received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. John verse 16, verse 33, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world. Or I have told you so that you may have peace in this world. You will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I don't know why people don't want to have heaven in their life right now. When Jesus makes it very clear that what heaven is, is not just a promise. It's a pattern for our lives right now where we invite the will of God, His kingdom, into our everyday existence. Where every physical, emotional, spiritual need is met. And He says, okay, so you got trouble, pray. You need something? Philippians 4, don't be anxious. Just let me know. I already know that you need it, but it'd be nice for you to acknowledge me as the one who can give it to you. Let him know. And then he says, what's true, what's noble, what's right, what's pure, what's lovely, what's admirable? You know, think about those things, those things that are praiseworthy, and you will have peace. Jesus has overcome the world. He's gone into heaven. He's preparing a place for us. We can at least enjoy His peace through prayer and petition, thanksgiving, request, by inviting the kingdom of God into our life so that God's will be done in us, just as it's going to be done in heaven anyway. So that leads us to ask the question, well, then where is heaven? Is it some dimension, someplace that we don't, I mean... Where, where is heaven? Well, let me blow your mind here for just a second. Are you ready? Hold tight. Heaven can be as close or as far away as you choose. 
If your thoughts are on what is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, Jesus will guard your hearts and your minds in the peace of Christ. He will meet your every need in excellent ways, proving the continuity of his earthly, heavenly promise. It'll be right here with you already. But... If you choose to dwell on lies, crude, wrong, unclean, ugly, shameful, troubled, demeaning things, you're inviting the kingdom of hell into your daily experience as a precursor to the eternity of trouble in which you will dwell. Where is heaven? Where is hell? It's in your life right now based upon what you're thinking about. What you're choosing to invite into your mind and into your heart it's not far away. I just keep getting this song in my head from the movie That Thing You Do. I thought it was a famous song. I can hear the children laughing. I can hear the children laughing. I can hear the children laughing. And it's not far. It's not far away. No, it's not far. And I thought that was just something our family was familiar with. But I looked it up the other day and it's like a phenomenon on TikTok and YouTube. <laughs> We're little kids, they want to sing that song, and they try to harmonize, and they're horrible, but their parents think they're wonderful, you know? You've seen those things. Heaven and hell are not far away. You know people who are living in hell right now. They even say it. My life's pure hell. People might say to you, well, where, where, where are you living? I'm living in heaven. My, my life is pure heaven because that's where my mind is. A lot of times we can expose where our thinking is by the things we entertain ourselves with. They reveal which kingdom we're inviting. With Halloween just so not far away. All the movies and shows about vicious, ugly things that we entertain our minds with. And we kind of dismiss that saying, well, that's not real. None of that is real. It just kind of, you know, it's a, it's a fun thing to do because it's a fright thing that we deal with. And in, in, in the Hollywood, say they'll produce all kinds of things like that. Why don't they produce anything like that about heaven? on November the 1st, which is actually All Saints Day. And the word Halloween actually means Hallow's Eve because on November 1st, the church used to practice All Saints Day where they thought about all the saints and the good things that they did. Did anybody see any movies on, on uh, November 1st about uh, heaven or All Hallows? You know, good stuff. Anyone? Huh. See, in truth, we are all desperate to believe in heaven because every one of us have encountered the reality of death. If you have a loved one, mom, dad, brother, sister, child, if they've died while you're still living, your mind cannot bear, your mind cannot bear it to think that they're anywhere but heaven. Am I right? And if the opposite is true, what a cruel, cruel experience you had with a family member. 
This earth is not heaven because it is troubled by the sting of death. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 58 reminds us, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep for we all, we all will be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with the immortality. And when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with mortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your sting? Where, O oh death, is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor is not in vain. That's excellence. Heaven is an excellent place in which the promise of God's providence will be fully enjoyed by His children who invite this kingdom of heaven into their earthly experience through daily prayer and daily practice. Heaven is not far away. When Jesus teaches us in a simple prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven in my life. Give us this day, Lord, excellently. Meet my needs. Help me to find unity and peace with people around me and your forgiveness. And vanquish that foe, the devil, for my life. Don't let him torment me. This is really about the heaven-hell contrast. This is the concept of Heaven and hell, kind of, when you think about where, Jesus told a story one time about it being, if, if you're looking at it from the perspective of a where, kind of in the same place through the story of the rich man and Lazarus. You remember that story? You had the rich man and then the Lazarus who was a poor beggar and he was getting scraps off the rich man's table and they both die. And so they're both in heaven and, and the rich man says, please, can I come over? And Jesus says, No. Can you just have Lazarus just put a little touch of water on his finger on a rag and, and dip it so that I can quench my thirst? Because he was in agony, the rich man was, and Lazarus was in paradise. And then he says, please send someone to tell my brothers about this horrible place that I'm in, the rich man says. And Jesus says through Luke, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead to warn them. So if we can't warn them about hell and they, we cannot dissuade them by talking about how horrible it is and it's become a joke where people say, well, I live such a bad life, I'll see you in hell as if that's something that they can consign themselves to. So the best way, listen to this, the best way to escape hell in the next life is to teach people to enjoy heaven in the present one. Did you get that? The best way to escape hell in the next life is to enjoy heaven in the heaven right now. 
And we can show people that way because they aren't convinced by the resurrection of Jesus. Even if he came back and said, he warned them. So there has to be some kind of tangible thing that they can see in our lives. And the New Testament makes it clear that our witness is how we deal with the trouble. And we deal with the trouble by living excellently in the midst of it. And people will look at you and they'll go, wow, there's something different about you. Yep. I'm living excellently and eternally and everlastingly. And next week we'll talk about exquisitely. I don't know. What better gift has God given us than to live eternally and heavenly right now? Just by thinking and saying and doing the things that are in accordance with His will. I would invite you to encourage people to listen to this message online. They can listen to it. Uh, we, we strip everything out and just do the sermon itself on Anchor. And so you can go to anchor.com and just put in Pal Center to Christ. You'll find all the sermons there. Palcc.org, we run them there. Our YouTube channel, Palestine Church, of Christ, Palestine Church of Christ channel, they can watch them there. And if you're not comfortable talking to them about heaven, then just direct them there. I don't mind. Or have them call me. I'll talk to them about heaven all day long. Because I've chosen to say to God, Thy will be done here in my life. living excellently, heavenly for Him and the peace that I enjoy in the midst of all the turmoil. Be glad to share with them that. And I hope that you'll be glad to share that with others too. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful today to begin this look into the idea of heaven. And today, as we address what it is and where it is. Again, as I prayed this morning, I hope that I've handled accurately the word of truth. And I would challenge those who are listening, both here and online, to test the words that I've spoken against the standard of Scripture. I don't want any of this to be my opinion, but I want it to be clearly from you. Because your son came to this world to describe heaven to us so that we could live a heavenly life right now. And I thank you for that. Lord, empower us with this knowledge. Transform and change the way that we think about this world through it. So that we can be the bright witnesses to this world that it needs right now. So that they can run, run from the prospect of hell in their experience. I thank you for all that are here today. Lord, bless them with this message. And I pray this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And let all God's people say.